Greetings, everybody. This is a Travel Addict podcast where you can hear candid stories and discussions about business and adventure travel from around the world with activities such as trekking, diving, camping, driving, cruising, and just plain chilling out somewhere. We talk about lots of experiences in places all over the world, including the grand, the remote, the edgy, the risque, and ones of questionable merit. Education, fulfillment, and wonder enrich our lives. And of all the books in the world, the best stories are found between the pages of a passport. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody. Malcolm Teasdale here, the travel addict. Hope everyone is doing well today. And today I have a lovely guest from the Colorado area. Uh, she is known as the Gallivanting Goddess. Now, just based on that name, I had to ask her to come online for a chat. The Gallivanting Goddess, also known as Lisa Ruoff. Hi, Lisa. Hello, Malcolm. Thanks for having me on. Does anyone call you the goddess in real life as you go around you know, it's funny enough, um, I that name came from my one of my previous restaurants was called Eco Goddess. So it was kind of like just a, you know, it just kept going from the restaurant scene, but I couldn't call it Eco Goddess because that was my restaurant name. So gallivanting would just kind of fit in with the travel memoir thing. Yeah, it, it, so, it's true. Yeah, gallivanting. That's a word I haven't yeah. heard for a long time, but it's, it's gallivanting pretty much like I do, gallivanting to Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, you've done a, a fair bit of uh, traveling in your life, which is good. And it's a passion of yours, isn't it? It, it is today as well, is it? You're still doing oh, yeah, it? definitely. I mean, things have definitely changed in the way that happens these days. But um, we, yeah, travel is definitely in my blood at this point. Well, you know what? The, the more we travel, it, it's ongoing in life, isn't it? There's always something weird going on in the world. Doesn't matter what era it is, and if you cast your mind back centuries ago, there was always problems in the world. Anyway, it's just oh, yeah. today, so it just continues in in life. So we just have to suck it up. But however, we're not going to let that stuff get in our way. Hopefully, to do mm-hmm. the things we love to do. Well, so. and I think the fear factor is a big deal too. Um, not that I'm going to put myself in war zones per se, uh, but. A lot of people really fear anything outside of their comfort zone. And I think for me, that's the reason why I travel. That was the very first kind of motivation to travel was to get out of my comfort zone and see what was out there. So fear, I don't know if I would say fear is my motivating factor, but fear is definitely something that um, if I feel it, I have to confront it. So I'm a little bit different that way. And I think a lot of travelers who do the backpacking kind of unconventional kind of scene, you know, we don't, we don't subscribe to that normal fear factor. Oh yeah. Well, that's true. It's there. I mean, I've spoken to people who do backpacking in, you know, strange locations on the planet that people wouldn't think of doing it, but Mm -hmm. nevertheless, I mean, yeah, we, we've got this passion, so we've got to do it. And it's taking the first step is always the most difficult, if any. And then once you, the more you do it, the more you want to do it, right? And Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So thing is, you got to do it while you can. And, and then one day we won't be able to do it. 
And I thought, right. who's that? Mark Twain's quote. And he says, 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed with the things you didn't do than the things you did do. Right? Oh, yeah. Is, Definitely true. true step. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, gallivanting goddess. Interesting. Now, you do a lot of solo traveling. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how it started for me. Yeah. Um, and I met people along the way that uh, it wasn't necessarily my choice to start solo. It just uh, kind of happened that way. I didn't really find anyone else that wanted to come with me at the time I wanted to go. And um, and it wasn't enough to hold me back. But then after doing a bunch of travels and trips by myself, uh, I met people along the way that um, that started off as very good friends and didn't end the trip as very good friends. <laughs> Oh, I see. Uh, Yeah, I kind of learned along the way that it was really um, beneficial to me to go solo, even though sometimes it would have been nice to have someone there um, all the time. But from my experiences with other people, uh, it doesn't always work the way you think it's going to work when there's someone else involved. No, I I understand that. And because you... if you go with another person, you're trying to make each other happy or satisfied, but you may have different ambitions and, and they do. Plus yeah. the fact, going to obscure places, at least the people I know, we think, what the hell do you want to go there for? Get, yeah. you're, you're, <laughs> you're nuts, you know? Yeah, and pretty much. Yeah, so it, it's all right. So you've, you've mostly traveled solo because you can just do what the hell you want, get there, then do what the hell you want. You don't have to worry about anyone. Well, yeah. What time are you getting out of bed this morning? Or um, do you want to do right. this? Do you want to do that? You just get up and do whatever you feel like it, which is uh, important. And I've also found too that um, it's not very difficult to meet people. Well, at least when I was younger, like the the books that I've written are are from when I was in my twenties. So when you're, in my opinion, in my experience, when I was traveling in my twenties in these obscure places, there were hostels everywhere, and there were lots of 20 somethings on their own from all over the world that I would meet up with and kind of travel with for a little bit. And then when we didn't want to do the same thing, we would separate, go our own ways. Um, so it wasn't like I was always alone. Um, but with the solo traveling, like you said, you don't have someone there. Like number one, it's, you don't need to feel responsible for someone else's adventure so much like when you meet people when you're traveling and they're already traveling it's great to kind of hook up for a while and then you Move know on. when the time comes you just go your own separate way and there's no hard feelings yeah i always bump into someone and uh typically from another country but they've got the same passion yeah. as, as as we have okay so that that's the, the solo bit which i clearly understand you mentioned mm-hmm. that you've got this it's an unconventional life is that because of the travel um that's a big part of it. I think that that's how it started. And uh, as kind of the scenario went in my 20s and 30s, you hear a lot from your family about, you know, it's a phase, she'll get over it, she'll settle down. And um, when that didn't happen so much, they just stopped saying that. (laughs) It was like, okay, this isn't really a phase and she's not settling down. So I don't really know what happened to her somewhere, but whatever. (laughs) She's out there doing her thing. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, that's, that's true. Um, 
eventually it'll probably have to happen, but it, right right now it doesn't matter. Just uh, do what uh, we can do. Now, yeah. one of the trips you took, I don't know how recently you embarked on a trip from Alaska to the country of Cuba, right? Mm-hmm. Why why that itinerary? Can you want to explain that? It's like, like two different things, but from Alaska is one thing, but then to end up in Cuba, hmm, okay. Yeah. Why? Yeah, and and at the time it was highly illegal for me to do. So this was 25 years ago. So the the whole series of these books was to start at kind of the beginning. I've been carrying these journals around forever, and this was one of the earlier ones that I wrote down. So at the time I was living in Alaska, very rurally in a cabin, no running water, all of that stuff, um, and I wanted to learn how to sail. It was just one of those like okay, I kind of had this fear of the ocean and I've always wanted to learn how to sail. So, um, so I got myself, it was one of those, the whole book is based on how I went about getting myself on a sailboat, learned how to sail, um, the adventures that followed in the six month period of that. And, uh, and I had no idea I was headed for Cuba at the time. I was just, I was supposed to be going to Mexico with a friend to help him out with a boat. And, Lo and behold, I find myself on a sailboat, a 44-foot sailboat with a South African captain and the girl he had met at the bar the night before we left. (laughs) That is strange. That is strange. It was quite the crazy, yeah, I got myself in for a lot more than I had bargained for. But um, the story is basically that. I think I was on that boat for three months, four months or so. But how? What was the time frame of deciding you wanted to be on this boat and the trip? It wasn't like an overnight thing, was it? No, no, no. So when I left Alaska, I really didn't know what I was. I didn't have a plan. I was just. I took off with a friend who had a boat in Mexico, and yeah. was like, "Okay, well, I'll help you. You know, you need some work on your boat." And on that trip. It didn't really work. I did end up in Mexico for a very little bit, but he didn't really have the same itinerary as me, time frame as me. It was one of those, yeah. you know, I, it just didn't yeah. work out. So it, I just, I put myself out there in an ad in one of these cruising magazines, which cruisers are kind of one little sect of the sailing world and started just networking between people in that world. And lo and behold, ended up like this woman who had her own boat knew this guy who was in Florida at the point and I was in North Carolina it was like okay well th- there's this guy and he's planning on going to Cuba and he doesn't have a deckhand so I'll get in touch with him and you know it was just kind of this networking in that little niche of the world and uh and it worked i mean i got on the boat and you know, for the most part, it was definitely adventure. I don't want to say it was all fun because some of it was not, definitely not. Yeah. But, um, yeah, quite the, quite the scene between the three of us on that boat. For Okay. A well, the, the question I ask is that this guy, the, the captain from uh, South Africa met this girl the night before and they couldn't have known each other. And why would this lady said, Oh, I'm up for that. Let's get on the boat and go somewhere. To- <laughs> That that just sounds strange because it's a in today's world, it's it, it, it's got a, there's an element of danger or risk oh, to yeah. that type of 
Yeah, definitely. But I think also there's, uh, there's always, there's always a level of danger and risk to something like that. But when you're in that world with that type of person, I want to say, just because most of these people in the cruising world, they're not, you know, they're not conventional people. They're not out for a day sail. They live on boats. This is their world. Um, a lot of them, the reason they live on boats is because they're trying to get away from the world. You know, they're trying to yeah. run away from something, hide from something, and just leave everything behind. And it's really easy way to do it. So, uh, but yes, it was, it was kind of crazy the way that it went down. I didn't know. I mean, I had known this guy for maybe two weeks or something before we left. So we had known each other long enough to kind of talk and get to know each other and mm -hmm. plan on where we wanted to go and how it, how it was going to be. And, um, and then the day before we left, he literally said, um, this woman is going to meet us and, uh, to, you know, she's going to be ready to go with us in a couple of hours. And I was kind of like, uh, what does that mean? Like to the store or to like, what are you talking about? Who is this person? You know? So at first it was definitely like, I was, I, it was a left hook, right? Like, uh, I don't know how to respond to this. I mean, it's your boat, but I mean, we're going to be on this boat for months. I, I yeah. don't. And, uh, and it turned out really good because she was kind of my savior because him and I ended up not getting along very well and her and I get it got along very well. So oh, I say, yeah, without her there, like after a few weeks on the boat, I was like, Oh, thank God you're here. <laughs> like this was not expected and this was crazy, but you, you saved my butt here because this would have been really bad without you on the boat. Okay. Did you have, obviously, you know, you probably want the, your um, independence as well, even on your boat. Did you have your own cabin or thing? I did, um, but it was a 44-foot boat. Like, it doesn't really, Ooh, yeah. you're not, you don't have any privacy. There's no, you know, there's no space really for that. So um, that's another thing that I go into quite a bit on in my book is that, you know, being in a very small space with a uh, couple who is newly acquainted um, was quite uncomfortable many times. <laughs> Oh my word! Yeah, that's uh, that's pushing it. Well, you're a brave lady. Eh? But the, the, the sailboat was 24 foot. Now that's not that big. 44. Probably, 44. Oh, 44. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so you know, one, one, like one one bathroom or two bathrooms on the on the boat. I, oh, I, one. I, yeah. One. Yeah. And um, well, now because you landed at Cuba and you started off from Alaska, I don't know what part of Alaska, uh, whether it's close to Anchorage or. The Kenai Peninsula, mm -hmm. wherever, but you sailed down somewhere along the line. You had to get across to Cuba. So, did you go through the Panama Canal or something? How did you get a? No, so I didn't actually sail from Alaska. I took. Uh, we were in an RV to begin with, and then I got on a sailboat on the East Coast. So I was sailing from North Carolina. I guess is when yeah. I first got on a boat. Yeah. Um, so we left this boat with this captain. We left from uh, Fort Lauderdale. So we, oh, went, okay. we went straight across from the Keys. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's from the RV from Canada, uh, from Alaska down to Carolinas. Then you got on the uh, boat. Yeah. 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 And then you got the on the Oh, okay. That's, that's short on the yeah. boat. Oh, so I right. was kind of all over the place, but I didn't actually get on a sailboat until 
the East Coast. Okay. I wonder why Cuba, by the way, you know, there's tons of islands in the Caribbean, but why Cuba? Um, I think that he, that was his plan. He had planned on going to Cuba. He had sailed over in this boat with his brother and sister from South Africa um, a couple of months before. And then they had kind of settled down and he still had time to be on the boat. So he, it was just kind of his, he wanted to go to Cuba. And when I met him, I was like, Okay. Sounds okay. Good. There like, you go. Why not? Right. Sure. All right. Okay. Um, although at the time for Americans, it was illegal for us to be in Cuba. So that was a little tricky yeah. because um, we didn't really know what we were going to find. Maybe it was fine for him being South African, but not for me as an American. American. Yeah, exactly. So um, we didn't really like, we didn't have any idea of how that was going to happen until we mm. got there. And because this is when the embargo was still going on. And uh, when we got there, we realized they were, the Cubans were extremely intelligent about how to handle our laws and our embargo. So they, I have my passport obviously, and they come on the boat to check you out when you get into any anchorage over there. And uh, they put a little piece of paper in my passport. Instead of stamping my passport, what they did was they just took a little piece of paper and it's not the rule at the time was it's not illegal for me to step foot on Cuba. It's illegal for me to spend money in Cuba. And they knew that there was an entry visa fee. So this is, this was like the political bureaucratic stuff, you know? Um, So they would just take a little piece of paper and they put it in my passport. So the whole time I was there, that little piece of paper was what they stamped and what they looked at. So on our exit visa, when we left, they just took that piece of paper and threw it away. So when I got back to the states, there was nothing in my passport. I don't th- I, that process. I don't think it's, it's unique in the Caribbean, by the way. You know, there's some, yeah. some places that it do was, that, um, but it's just uh, it's basically the piece of paper is to make make sure you're out of the place on time. Right. You don't want to be. And of course, there. they wanted at the time they were checking the boat to make sure there were no stowaways, and we were being watched every every time we checked in and checked out. Yeah. But when we got back, um, should someone have, should the Coast Guard have come up and on board and checked our stuff, they would never, there was nothing stating that I was there. So. All right. Well, you made it back. Now, yeah. you, you got the, what you call the bite of the travel bug, good term to use, but you did go backpacking and hitchhiking. Yes. Which is the adventurous thing to do. And I don't know, I don't know how long that was ago but you did it in australia and africa right yeah you did the backpacking so, and hitchhiking in both of those both of them continents. pretty much yeah, yeah. okay yeah uh, um, we'll come to africa in a minute but where in australia right around the outback or um so a little bit of everything i started in sydney went all the way up did a trip to the outback um which there is a there is a section of in the book Went up to Cape Tribulation, which is up to the point, uh, yeah. the kind of like the rainforest up there, and then back down again to Tasmania for a couple of weeks before I headed out again. So I was there for, I want to say three, three months, four months. Three, three months, okay. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Australia was about six months because I renewed my mm. visa. Yeah. Um, yeah, Africa was about four. Anyway, you this you were backpacking at this time, so you, yeah. obviously there, yeah, you can just uh, all right. Yep. So you went had up and, my tent with me and my sleeping bag and all my whole. I was like a little turtle with a shell. Yep. <laughs> okay, so you backpacking. So you you're doing doing the simple thing. So mm-hmm. when you're in, 
so when you were in Tasmania to see one of those little devils there? Oh man, I had quite the experience with the Tasmanian devils. And, um, I was, uh, I was camping with my, with my tent and my stuff. It was kind of one of the first times that I had been in Australia that I went into the woods instead of just went from town to town and did Mm -hmm. adventure after adventure. So hitchhiked into uh, Crater National Park, I believe is what it was called. Uh, and there was no one. I was in a campground, but there was no one. No I mean, one no else. one yeah. around. I, there's, there yeah. was not another soul within like, I think it was t- a two mile radius as yeah. far as I knew. And had set up my tent and gotten everything ready for the night. And this little baby, I, I didn't even know what they looked like at the time. <laughs> but this little baby Tasmanian devil latched onto me in the campground. And at first I was like, they're super cute. Like this little thing is just toddling around after me, like making these little screeching noises. Cause that's what they do. And, uh, for a little while I'm like, Oh my God, he's so cute. Like, look at this thing. I'm in the middle of nowhere. And there's a Tasmanian, like I'm a mom, you know? And then I realized like, Oh, you have a mom somewhere. And this is probably not a good scene. <laughs> but so, my mom's out there looking for the little ones. Yeah. 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 Um, mm-hmm. so it did, it did finally wander off and I, I didn't necessarily have an encounter that I feared I may have, but it was amazing those nights that I was out there because you could hear them. I mean, they were everywhere. There, there were hundreds, if not thousands of them that I could hear from my tent every night. And they really terrible screeching noise. If you're not aware of what's going on, you know, it definitely is enough to scare the living hell out of you. But I yeah. knew that they were there, and I knew that they weren't really a threat to me. So okay. it was, it was, super, it was really it's cool. A, it's the least of your worries, and you in the um, Sydney Zoo and uh, Taranga Zoo there, they have them there as well. So you can go and see them mm-hmm. up close and personal if you want to. Sydney's a great city, actually. Love, love that yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. But you, you got around there, um, so that, so that was it. Interestingly enough. All right, then Africa. Yes, Africa. Lots okay, to say about Africa. Okay, in Africa? <laughs> so started out in South Africa, um, went up to the border of Kenya, and back down again. So I think I did like eight countries uh, in all. Uh, but once again, that wasn't necessarily the plan. I, When I started traveling, I was in a very serious relationship with a South African man. And he had already traveled and was heading back to South Africa. So I went to Australia first. Then we decided to meet up in South Africa. So I went to be with him. And that didn't work. And instead of tucking tail and running home, I thought, well, here I am. I'm in Africa. I might might as well pick myself up and go see what this place has to offer. (laughs) So it it definitely was not anything on my radar that like I never said, oh, I want to go see Africa. But I just found myself there and kind of made the best of it. And it was it was amazing. I mean, even to this, I'm 52 now and that was 25 years ago. And it was probably the most uh, impactful and memorable four months of my life. Like it was just incredible. I can I can relate to that. Firstly, though, South Africa. Wait a minute, you're on a boat with a South African captain. I don't know I, what. I, the, I, it's it's not the same somewhere? guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Hey, Got to say congratulations to South Africa. They just won the Rugby World Cup again. So uh, oh, nice. That's, a, that's nice. a cool thing. Yeah. All right. So whereabouts in South Africa were you? 
Johannesburg is a little bit away, but Kenya side, were you like in Durban or were you in Joburg? Um, I did pretty much everything. So I did spend a little bit of time in Durban, but um, Cape Town, I flew into Johannesburg, made my way down to Cape Town, um, spent some time with the guy and mm-hmm. some of his friends down there for a while before I went my own way and kind of made my way around the coast and then up through the Drakensberg, through Lesotho, uh, Swaziland, and then up through Johannesburg before I started up into the rest of Africa. Interesting. But whereabouts, as well as South Africa and Kenya, did you go? Oh, so Kenya, um, I was stopped at the border. So I went through South Africa, and this was the backpacking thing. Yeah. I I hitched a ride on a on an overland truck for a while and then met up with some people and uh, Pippa and Derek were two uh two people that I spent most of that time with that yeah. I just met while I was there. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, we did uh, went up through Malawi, did Tanzania, um went through the border of Zaire. I didn't go, but uh the guy one of the friends that I was traveling with kind of ditched there to go see um the gorillas. And then up to uh, Zanzibar for a while, spent some time in Zanzibar. That's supposed to be and beautiful, then, isn't it? It's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Um, not just cultural, but the island itself is, island, is yeah. geographically beautiful. Um, and then went on safari uh, in Tanzania, just south of the Kenyan border, because mm. I didn't, they wouldn't let me through. I didn't have the right paperwork, so I had to turn around. And yeah. I was stuck at the Ngorogoro crater, right? Like, how, how terrible for me. <laughs> Well, you're doing this, Lisa. It's not going to be instant free or mistake free. It will always. Happen. Oh no, definitely no, and, not. And you go into this thinking, well, that it, it will happen because you know, with visas and learning the rules and regulations, it's so and they can change from day to day as well. Uh, yeah. But but I understand what you said about you know when you went to Africa. It's you've got these memories that sort of stick with you. I just last year. Uh, I went to Namibia, and mm-hmm. it's the world's oldest desert. And I flew into Joburg, then took a flight over to Windhoek, then uh, drove for about five hours into the uh, the desert. It's fifty five million nice. years old. I just stayed in a lodge out there. It's unbelievable scenery. Yeah, and it's amazing. It's otherworldly if you're not from that geographical yeah. kind of feel. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. And I I did uh, go in a hot air balloon actually, but funnily enough. The uh, the hot air balloon company is owned by a gentleman and his father. They're from Belgium, mm. and this guy he looks like Steve Irwin, by the way, replica of Steve <laughs> Irwin. He acts like him as well, but he was born in the continent of Africa and has lived there all of his life. Wow! And he's from Belgium. He would never think of moving anywhere else. He went to the Congo. And the war mm-hmm. broke out. He went to Rwanda. The, 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 there was a disturbance there, so he landed up in Namibia, which is perfectly safe. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. but I know it's a, it's a wonderful continent. I'd love to go back there. Someday. Yeah, quite Just the experience, huh? Oh, mm-hmm. unbe- unbelievable, unbelievable. So yeah, I mean that's you've you've been to two awesome places there, and just go back to Australia. I mean, you mentioned the Tasmanian Devil, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's not, there's some scary snakes there. I know that. So you got <laughs> they have lots of scary things there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they do. Snakes. I, I I just know that. And spiders, of course. I've never yeah. been there yeah. in Sydney at some friend's house. We're eating uh, supper outside. And a, 
or the food table, and a spider lowered itself down. Oh, yeah. Some of those uh, spiders are huge. <laughs> yeah, and this one was. So my buddy got his old cricket bat out, cricket bat out and slugged it next door. So it's <laughs> uh, great for the neighbors, huh? <laughs> no, I didn't mind. It's just normal, um, normal right. stuff. So what do you think you're <laughs> off to next? Um, I don't know, you know, after these books were like, these travels were when I was pretty young. So, um, I am now married, which didn't happen until two weeks before my 50th birthday. Cause I just couldn't find anyone to keep up with me, I guess. <laughs> um, and we have traveled a bunch together as well, but we are flipping houses now. So in between all of that, we're, you know, in the dirt and excavating and all kinds of stuff. Um, but we did take off what it was two years ago, we found ourselves living in an RV um, and waiting on permits to build and looking at a winter at 8,000 feet in Colorado in an RV was like, mm, that's not going to happen. So we went to Mexico for four months and backpacked all over yeah, Mexico for the winter. And, um, you know, the adventures just keep travel, keep, ha keep happening. And he just said to me last night, like, okay, we need to plan the next trip. Like not two weeks, like two months. We need to go somewhere, yeah, there you, you know? Go. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's in your blood. It's definitely in your, your it, blood. It is. And once you start, it's just really, you don't want to stop. It's just so, you just get so much out of it. <laughs> well, yeah, apart from travel, you've got a lot of other passions and um, empowerment of women in generally. Yes, maybe to yeah. encourage them to do the same thing. I'm not sure, but it, you're concerned about the environment, which which I am as well. And uh, so, I mean, you believe in climate change? Yeah, and I don't think I don't think it's possible for me to be able to travel and not be concerned about the environment. Especially now, I go into that a lot in um, the bite of the travel bug, because those travels happened 25 years ago. So now in my fifties, I'm going to similar places and seeing just a completely different experience mm -hmm. simply because the environment's changing. You know, yeah. um, we don't have reefs, reef systems anymore. Like we did 25 years ago. That's, that's gone. I'll never be able to see that again. So mm -hmm. when you see that kind of thing happen and in my, in my frame, it's 25 years, like that's not very long. You know, that's to see the kind of changes that are happening in a quarter of a lifetime is um, is really, yeah, it's shocking. Well, mm -hmm. one place is close to where you went to. The Great Barrier Reef is not the place it used to be, right? So, oh, no. no. Not from what I saw when I was there. No, yeah. No. And I, I recently went up to, after I went to Namibia, I, I flew over to Raja Ampat, which is the largest biodiverse marine area in the world. Yeah. And it's it's pristine. It must be somewhat protected there, but it's unbelievable diving there. And nice. So I, it's I still alive to, then. I've never yeah. seen a place like it like that. But it's uh, some weird stuff underwater. But but yeah, I mean uh, things are a change. But I know people here where I live, and they, they don't believe in climate change or anything like. Okay, well, yeah, we've seen it with our own eyes. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to. I mean, for me, not to get into politics or anything, but um, I think that. As a human race, I don't want to say just Americans because it's all over the planet. Yeah, um, we've put a price tag on things instead of that's our worth is money, and we're not understanding in all of our evolution and intelligence that if without a planet, we're not going to have a place to live. You know, like it's 
it's a little disconcerting to see that this uh, this path is still going straight in in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't really know what if 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 all of this is going on in front of our eyes, what is it going to take for us to understand that we need to change our ways if we want to continue to live here? Well, but true. Who knows? And it right. may be beyond our lifetime. We just don't know. Um, but you're right. you're also into animal rights um, and mm-hmm. stuff like that, which I I understand that. Uh, but are, are you a vegan, by the way, or just? I'm not. I'm. Uh, I have been a vegetarian. I eat fish, um, but I haven't eaten pork, chicken, or beef since I was 20 years old. Um, And my reasoning for that, I've also been a chef for 25 years. So that's kind of another one of those books in the making. But my reasoning for that is um, if I can't kill it, I don't feel that I have the right to eat it. So it's more of a kind of like a a respect kind of issue for me. Yeah. Um, Everybody has their own reasons, but. Yeah. And then there's arguments both sides. Obviously, I look at nature programs that look. Uh, on, on TV quite a bit and there's animals killing other animals because they have to eat oh, yeah. it just goes on and you know yeah. that that that's another thing but yeah mm-hmm. we just got to uh, respect our planet a little bit more you know and uh, animals yep. more because you know like us they think differently you know a bit like other nations on the planet they but they don't act like us different culture yeah. they live where they live today because yep. they want to you know and, well and I uh, have found along the way too like living in Alaska taught me taught this uh early in my life was that that the animal kingdom or the wilderness or nature uh makes way more sense and is way less threatening to me i've found in my travels than humans are um there's there's a rule of code that if you understand like for instance if you understand about grizzly bears and you know about their their instincts and you know their rules you're very less likely to have any incidents than you are with someone on drugs in an alley. You know, like humans don't have an ethical standard code. We're, we're, I've just found that I just feel way more secure um, in nature than I have, even with lions around or bears around or baboons trying to get into a tent or like, it just, if you understand the basics, you have way more chance of getting out um, intact than you would if a human comes up to you with a knife. You know, like there's no, there's no understanding <laughs> there. There's no basics there. Yeah. Well, probably the word with animals has got around, hey, be careful these human beings. Look at that. Yeah, history, yeah. Man. They're it's like, just, they're crazy, bad. man. <laughs> stay away from them. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. Hey, you've got, I'm not on your website now. It's lisaruoff.com. And you mentioned your books there. Tell me about your books. Book, so book. the first one, um, there's there's two out now. And the series is called Gallivanting Goddess. Um, I do plan on having three or four more under that same series um, in the future. But the ones that are out now are called Alaska to Cuba and back. And that is about my trip on the sailboat um, to Cuba. And then the second one is the bite of the travel bug. And that is my year backpacking through both Australia and Africa. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I'm just looking at the covers there. Did you do the covers or did you get someone to do them for you? I did. Yeah, I did. The first cover, the yellow one, uh, the sailboat, that one was actually an original paint uh, uh, 
a painting from a friend who yeah. was in college and I told her I wanted something, you know, I kind of, I kind of told her what I wanted and then I took her painting and I put it into that yeah. format. And, um, and the bite of the travel bug was something that I did come up with, but I, I can't take all the credit cause I'm really not that computer smart. So I had to get someone to put it in the right format so I could download it. You know, oh, I but, see. I got it. Well, I yeah. just about to, until you said you, you're not that, you know, up to computers. I was going to say, if you get time, time is an essence here, make an audio book of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That that has yeah. been kind of one of those, huh, do I do that? Is it worth it? Hmm. Uh, yes, it is. I made an audio book of one of them and it did quite well. Um, oh, good. So I'm thinking about doing another, but it does sap a lot, a lot of your time. That, yeah. That's for sure. Did you do yeah. the audio yourself? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm actually looking at, um, other means to do it actually uh I, I, before we spoke today i'm looking at the this um artificial intelligence software that does it but i gotta be careful you're not supposed to be using that but I, i'm just right. looking at better ways to do it as a tool yeah. you know as a creative tool not so much but as a tool to get to the end yeah it can yeah. help okay well, i just have to say but anyway you're a busy lady you're a busy lady <laughs> yes well thank you malcolm um I, uh, I enjoy are you gonna having... spend the winter where you are we are. Yeah. Um, we, this is our first winter here. Oh, well, it's my husband's first winter here in Colorado. And we actually have fixed up this house that we bought, uh, and up enough now that yeah. it's actually habitable through the winter here. So we're going to spend our time skiing and we might take off for a couple of weeks, but, uh, yeah, you is, can do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm gone for a couple of weeks down the Caribbean. I'm just uh, speaking on cruise ships, but it's, you know, that that's fine. Now, your nice. husband, by the way, where's yeah. he from? He is, uh, we were in Vermont. So I met him in Vermont, and that was one of the other side trips along the way. I spent about eight years in Vermont and um, had my own 1820s renovated farmhouse and did all that stuff. But uh, I met him there and transferred him back to Colorado. So we have only been together for a few years. Okay. I just want, I almost, part of me thinks, you're going to tell me South African, but nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that that one's done. That's yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, got, I got it. All right. All right. Lisa, good talking with you. Take care. Okay. Well, thank you and so I'll much. Keep Malcolm. In touch with your travels and uh, best wishes to you and uh, happy Thanksgiving and happy Christmas to you. Okay. Comes and on. you too. Yes. See ya. All Take right. Care. Take care. Bye. Many thanks for joining me today. This is Malcolm Teasdale signing off. Before I do, please check out my website, MalcolmJTeasdale.com, for more information about my travels around the world. Okay, folks, talk to you later. Bye for now. Stay safe.